Welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vince, and I'm here with my co-host, Stevie D. And Stevie D, I didn't give you a great intro this time. You know, I, I decided to pull the reins back, back-to-back podcast, showing much love to my man over there. You know, I figured, you know, let's not let the head get a little too big. But then again, the way the Jets are playing, I guess, I guess that'll level things out as well. Yeah, we're gonna change this topic really quick from my 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 jets that are underperforming, undermanned, undercoached, the whole nine, um, to you know my Yankees. Okay, and so I, uh, so I'm gonna go uh, see. I'm take I'm taking that double negative, and I'm switching it to a quadruple positive, because the Yankees dominated the Minnesota Twins, sweep them, embarrass them. Yes, I said embarrass them. A hundred win team, we we disposed of them like they were nothing. Now, you can say the experts will say that the Twins were an overrated 101 win team. That all most of their games, more than half of their games, were played against teams with 90 plus losses for the season, and that's how they got where they were. Um, but I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to say the Yankees dominated the Twins. Thank you for showing up. And and as in John Stern likes to say. Yankees win. The Yankees win. American League Division Series over. And now we await the winner of the Houston Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays. And I know we're going to jump into football, but I will give a little love to my former hometown of the the Rays. Well, I shouldn't say hometown. Secondary town. uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, and they're fighting hard. They are fighting hard. And you know what? They, I, I'm really impressed with what and how they're battling against Houston. What, what I mean, what's your take on? It? I know you got some feelings on it, but yeah, I figured... I'm, I'm happy for the Rays. Um, I think they, you know, when you when you look at the Rays, you you look at a bunch of misfits. You look at a bunch of guys who were castoffs. You know, whether even if they were traded for, look, look at a guy like Austin Meadows, Uh, you know, here he is, you know, a top pick, you know, a future budding star, but the Pirates gave up on him. You know, Tyler Glass now, another kid that was part of that trade. All of this for for Chris Archer, right? A mediocre pitcher at best, and the Pirates gave up on these guys. Right. And, And they're dominating. The one thing that I do not like, I do not like and dominating may be too strong of a word when you're when you're down two to one in a five game series, but still they're they're playing good ball and, and they're key pillars. But one thing I do not like, and I've said it many times, and I'm gonna say it loud, I cannot stand the fans in Tampa Bay. They are the biggest bunch of bandwagon fans, crybabies, whiners, whatever you whatever you want to call them or associate with them. And I'll tell you why, Stevie D. Through 162 games, 81 home games, they average around 12 to 15,000 people there per game. How, how many fans? 12 to 15 is their average. That's what I thought you said. That's uh, and, wow. and the only time it goes up is when the Yankees or Red Sox or Cubs or you know somebody like that comes to town because there's so many transplants. But then all of a sudden the Rays make it to the playoffs, and that number is tripled or quadrupled, and you see fans just waving towels, ringing cowbells, 
you know, banging the Vuvuzelas, doing all that nonsense, filling it up, 35, 40,000 people in the stands. Now, the excuse that they give all the time is, oh, it's so far. I can't drive across the bridge to St. Pete. That would hold water. That would hold merit. Except for you have a playoff game that is 1 o'clock in the middle of the week. So you have people in school. You have people going to work. And all of a sudden, because it's a playoff game, you can you can fill it up with 40,000 people. But you can't make a seven o'clock game on a weekend. No. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It, it's it, it's mind boggling the uh, the lack of support um, for a team that that's play, I mean, let's face it. How many games did they win? Ninety something games. I mean, yeah, ninety were, something I think games. Ninety six games they won this year. Ninety six games, and your fan base can't come out. That you know. I, that's why I fully support the ownership of Tampa to to go and do what they need to do um, and, and relocate, whether it's in the state of Florida or outside the state of Florida, because it, it's a sham. It, it's a shame. It's a sham. The fans um, that that want to be fans and only show up in the good times. Um, and let's face it, there's plenty of good times they had at home. I just It's just mind-boggling that they, they still can't show up. Absolutely. It's a, it's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. And if I was, is it Friedman? Andrew Friedman? He he's still the owner. Who's the owner there? I feel like I I don't have the no. Name Stu Sternberg right. is Stu the Sternberg. Owner. That's it. Thank you. Friedman was the old GM that went to the Dodgers. That's the, right. Um, uh, if I was Stu, I, I'm calling up Rob, Rob uh, Manfeld, the, the commissioner, and saying, "Look, th- if this doesn't tell you something here, I, I need you guys to work with the city of Saint Petersburg." And work out a buyout of our lease. We got plenty of money as MLB, because if you put me in a city or a town that wants us there, we'll draw and make more money for MLB. But if the you leave the, me here, I, well, we the, won't be able to make money. The only problem, DVD, that the Rays—well, not the only problem. One of the biggest problems that they have is for their attendance is the fact that they are in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox. It, it is so difficult for the Blue Jays. It is so difficult for the Orioles. And we're talking about mega markets. And, and twice as hard for the Rays to stay competitive. You, you, you're going to have your ebbs and flows, right? You're going to have to make those trades. You're going to have to draft well. You're going to have to make sure that your farm system is up, is up to speed so that, you know, in two or three years down the line that these guys start to gel and maybe four or five, they're ready to compete. And then you you go on a, a one or two year run of putting up ninety to a hundred wins, and now your guys <laughs> want to get paid. You can't afford to pay them the same money that the Yankees and the Dodgers and and the Red Sox pay. So you lose your guys, and and you got to kind of start over. If the Rays are going to be successful, and if they do move, they have got to get out of that American League East. But you know what? I, I I'm going to agree to disagree. That for the, I I totally understand your point about surviving. Okay, totally understand your point about surviving. But if you look at the Tampa Ray Rays over the last nine seasons, so let's say the decades of the 10, okay? So starting in 2010, you're talking about a franchise that's won 96, 91, 90, 92, had a small dip at 77, well, bigger dip, 77 to 80, Hit rock bottom in, in 16 with 68. 
climbs back up to 80, then 90, then 96. They're doing a lot of things right for a small market team. Because when you think about it, they've had two losing, three losing seasons, and really 80 wins, you're right there at 500. I mean, that's not a horrible year necessarily. You're, you're right there, but you're you're not competing for a championship. But, right, but but hold on. But if I even back it up even further, in twenty in in uh, in twenty uh, uh, two thousand nine they won eighty four. In two thousand eight they won ninety seven. They are competing a lot more than regular teams compete. And when you want to talk about cycling of the Kansas City Royals that showed up for three seasons, won a title, showed up for three seasons, but three out of the last thirty years they've had a winning record. Three in thirty years they've had a winning record. If you look at some of the runs that the Twins have had, only a recent have they been playing, in, you know, every other year they've had a decent year. But they were on hiatus for decades. Uh, you have um, the A's, that, again, with, with Moneyball. They, they come up, they win a few years, and then they have to trade everything off, and they have about five to six years to come back. Tampa Bay, that organization, their scouting department, are very smart baseball people. Very smart baseball people. They can still compete in this market. They just have to do it differently and creatively. Just think if they moved to a different market, state in the East. Look, feelings aside to the state of Florida. State of Florida and baseball really don't do well. Right, Miami? They don't do well for attendance. So if they were able to relocate to a city that was thirsty, that wants to come out and see baseball, with that scouting department, how they do it, now all of a sudden they're bringing in revenue? But, but that, that's shown, a very dangerous sh- team in the AFC. You, you've shown that, that there are people that want to come. The problem, the problem with the race is the fact that they can't win, right? They they have they have a shot, and it's only one shot. You mentioned all those years where they had good productive seasons. Any other division, they're competing for a title. Yeah, sure. Well, but but you stay in this division. You're competing for a wild card, and there's a chance you're not even going to get the wild card. So now you're, you know, you've thrown up a 92 win season, and you're you're on on the outside looking in. Okay, so you, you move Tampa out. Who do you move in? Somebody's got to move in, and some other teams are going to face the same battle, unless the Rays want to go to the National League East and, and, and move one of those teams to to the American League East. I would love to see the Marlins in the Rays swap. But you keep you keep the management in place. Let Jeter continue to ruin <laughs> what he's doing down there. But you you put the Rays in there against the Mets, the Nationals. Yes, big markets, big markets. I'm not going to deny that. But you put them in there. Well, when and you I, think I of the spending outside of the Phillies, I mean, the Nationals spend money every now and again. The the Phillies they go up and flow, and they they just recently spent some money. But we know how tight the Mets are. We know Miami don't spend up, but you're talking about get rid of them. And the Braves don't typically spend a lot of money. They really don't. So no. they could compete more in the National League East than the American League East. But I just don't want to cut the front office. I I just don't want to let them go and say they need to be out of this division. I just think they have really smart individuals. They know what they're doing. They stay within their game plan. Yeah, but they that, just got to get the fans to show. Think the, about it. They, but they the division, Stevie D, if you put a winner, a winner, and I'm not talking about having a above 500 season as a winner. You put a winner. If you start hanging pennants up in your stadium, see, we all know that baseball, 
Baseball is so different than any other sport. Baseball is a generational sport, right? When you look at the, the pastime, baseball is grandfathers to fathers, fathers to sons, right? And now you're, you're looking in a market that is a transient market, a bunch of transplants from the north that come down, you and I, you know, included in that, even though you kind of left us. But, it, you know, you, you get you get the transplants that move down. They have their allegiances. You, you kept your Yankees. I was with the Jays until Toronto tried to steal my bills. Then I, I swore off everything Toronto. And then I became a Rays fan. But it's a generational thing. So when you have those parents that, that come from the North, their children who grow up will certainly have a little influence from their parents, but they start to become the fan of the team that they're in. So you have to wait like 15, 20 years for that to happen, for them to be able to have money to go to a game. But it goes longer than that. So it's almost like 30 years. And then their children kind of, because it's not as, the, the roots are not as deep, then their children become a fan of the sure. race. No, I, I mean, again, to so, me, it, the race just have to move then. They do. When, because if you go to a city that has no baseball and you go to a city that doesn't have a lot of, transplants right that don't have a lot of transplants like tennessee titans moved from houston and moved to tennessee and they're embraced in tennessee no no i mean when you that's think about the wrong, that that's the wrong example but why is that the did, wrong example because they relocated from a city that had a ton of people did you not see what happened this past week Okay, uh, can can you can you not focus on uh, on on that game? I'm just using no, an example. I'm, no, I'm using that as the example. Did you not see what happened this week? No. Yeah. You, you think a, I watched the Buffalo Bills game? You have a seventy thousand seat stadium, and let me tell you what happened. It became a seven one six takeover. The Buffalo Bills fans across the country coming down from Buffalo, coming up from Alabama, coming up from Florida, coming what? from all over. Descended, descended upon Nashville. They were in that stadium strong. Let me tell you how strong they were. Second play of the game. The Tennessee Titans are on offense. And I think it was Tyler Lewan. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. We're transferring. We're, we didn't finish our baseball conversation. I, and you're I know, but the Buffalo you, you, wanted, you, you wanted to talk about Tennessee. I just want to talk about. But, and I'm going to tell you why Tennessee's not the right example. Second play of the game, Tennessee's on offense. I think it's Tyler Lewan gets called for a false start penalty. Now, Stevie D, you are at home. You never get called for a false start penalty because of the crowd noise. It was like 40,000 people that were in Bill's, in Bill's jerseys, hats, shirts, polos, zubas. It was a complete takeover. You can't include Tennessee. Okay. Wrong example. R- okay. Wrong example. For I'll, that I'll use uh, the Washington Nationals because I have no idea. All right. <laughs> but the point is, it's just that teams that move to an, a city that doesn't have a sports franchise, the folks are thirsty for that, and they typically will succeed. And when you look at the the Rays attendance, one point one seven eight million fans. For a 96 win team, are you kidding me, people? Are you kidding me? That that's that is is it's it's so disgraceful that the only time that they cracked two million was their inaugural season in '98. 
and they had two and a half million fans. It's just to me, you you can't win there with the fans. So but Stu Sternberg needs to relocate. You got to get him out. If, if you hang the pennants, we already know what the fan base is like. You were here when for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they said we're sold out for the next hundred years. Yeah, and it took two <laughs> years to take that down. Right, but but. That's all about winning. If you win, sure. If right, you build what, it, what they will it? come. There if you go. They build it, they will come. And and I agree that in any sport, it's the same thing I was seeing out here at Kansas City before they started winning when I moved out here because the fans weren't showing, right? And everybody gets on the radio and says, "Well, uh, the, the Royals don't have any money, and the fans don't come out to the game." And my argument is to the what I was making to the Royals fans is the ownership. You can't just ask your friends to show up to friends. You can't ask your fans to show up to see poor quality and ask them to spend their hard-earned dollars on parking and tickets and concessions to go watch 105 lost baseball teams. Agreed. It's hard for the fan base. I'm a work, working, right? I'm not giving my money away to you so you can get live high on the hog. You have to build it and show that you're committed to your fan base to winning. And when I looked at the Kansas City Royals, they were bad for so long. And as they started turning the ship around in 2013, 2012 and 2013, the fans started responding and showing up more. 2014, they lose the World Series to the Giants. Those That place was rocking during the season. In 2015, or 20, whenever they won the World Series, maybe it was 2015 they won the World Series, uh, 2015 they won the World Series. That year, all season long, the fans were showing up. The fans were showing up the following year, even though they weren't winning those, those games anymore because it started going downhill. The fans still showed. So it goes to show you if you put if you put a winning product on the field, the fans will show. The problem in Tampa is that they're showing that they can put a winner out there, and they still don't show. Yeah. And there's two small market teams. Granted, yeah. the, the Rays have a longer history, and they have you know the '70s and early '80s, mid '80s. They were a dominant team, the Kansas City Royals. You're the putting Rays, a, you're putting a winner, but it's not a complete winner, and it's not a sustained winner. Okay, so what do you think if the Rays fans showed up consistently night after night in 2018 when they won 90 games? Maybe the fans give the energy for five more victories at I home. agree. Just I, from I, the energy and the passion. I agree. But you know, like I know, that if you hung a pennant for the – if they won that World Series against the Phillies, and so you have a World Series pennant up there, and then you put a couple other of – uh, American League championship pennants up there, you know, you're going to start to bring those fringe fans that are going to come. That 12 to 15 goes to 15 to 17. And then you, you keep working that and you keep putting the pennants up. The problem is when you're in a division with teams that will just spin to go get whoever it is, right? Uh, you, you know, and Yes, the Yankees have built their farm. I give them credit for that. But they've also gone out there and made mega yeah, trades. They're right. always uh, out at, of cusp yeah. of getting at the, the next great thing. That's right. The Red Sox do the same thing, and it makes it so hard. The Rays lost their best pitcher in franchise history, right, because they couldn't afford to pay him. Smart move, by the way, to let him go. Well, ends ends up right. <laughs> he probably would have done better in the playoffs than he did with another team, even though he pitched well. They had two two of their pitchers on that pitching staff: Nathan Navaldi and yeah. David Price. Yeah. yeah. 
But, but again, they, they, you can't go out and even sign or attempt to resign a Nathan Avaldi. Look, David Price money that he got was ridiculous. But Nathan Avaldi is an example of a guy who got $54 million or so over three years. Now, it hasn't worked out for the Red Sox. And, and when you sit back, if you're a Rays fan, thank God we didn't get that money because we didn't get anything back. But that's an affordable contract over three years, $54 million. That's for a who? very – For Tampa. For no. It's affordable. No, it's affordable no. in the way if, if you're trying to change a culture and show your fan base that you're willing to put in the money to win. That, that's not how you do it for the race. The race can't afford it. The race will give Nate the three over 12. Well, then this, here, here's the deal. Then this is why the team will, will, will never succeed down there. They will never succeed in, in, in the fashion that you're talking about. They'll never succeed. Well, anyway, I, look, it was a great the topic. I, I think uh, we we, uh, we we hit it pretty good. I think we should change gears and, and move over to the NFL because, let's face it, we can't save the race. <laughs> we we can't we, save them. We can't save the race, and we couldn't save Jay Gruden. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> Jay. Hey, man, he was out there. He's out there eating, partying in the club, smoking some weed or whatever that was. Did, did, um, you, see, did you see the video? Now, you can't confirm that it was, you know, maybe a little of the, what do they call it, the wacky tobacco, you know, yeah. trying. <laughs> but, you know, it definitely wasn't a blunt. We know that. <laughs> but, but I'm going to tell you, it was very questionable what he was smoking because there he is, drunk, on the sidewalk. I was looking, I'm like, wait, I don't think he has shoes on, right? He, he was blitzed. And, and there he is, smoking something. Smoking something, and the Redskins said we declined to comment on this. <laughs> the, the handwriting was on the wall for that one, but yeah, Jay, Jay's gone. Yeah, he was dead man walking. You knew it was coming. Uh, I, even without the videos, you just knew it was coming. I think the lackluster effort by the Redskins. Um, look, they made the trade for Case Keenum. Every, look, it's unfortunate what happened to Alex Smith. Right, it kind it of is. derailed them a little bit. Haskins. Again, a rookie quarterback wasn't necessarily ready to, to step in. Yet left, starting left tackle is holding out because of concerns that they don't know how to hold the medical. Uh, it just it didn't come into the season good, um, and, and it's just snowballing. And it it was time for him to go. And let's face it, it's not like he he lighten it up there anyway. Um, and I I like the move by removing him now because maybe maybe. That will wake up Trent Williams and say, you know what? Maybe Trent's got a little problems with Jay Gruden. And maybe he's like, whoa, look, they made a change. Maybe it's a little bit more than just a medical. And maybe they can draw Trent Williams back in with Jay Gruden uh, being that's gone. A, that's a very interesting point, how that, how this move will impact Trent Williams. That, that's a great point. Because yeah. he, he was all off on the medical staff, yeah. right? So it, it'll be interesting to see how they address uh, the assistants and, and the other staff members there. You know, maybe to your point, maybe they say, hey, Trent, come on in. Let's talk. You yeah. know, what What was it? And all of a sudden we start seeing other people being, being released and giving their pink slips. Uh, very interesting. They, they're in such a bad spot, though, right now. They are. And, they, they are. There's dysfunction. And one of the names rumored already is Mike Tomlin. Like, I, I, how does I, that happen? I don't, I don't. I think it's people just making a story. Because Pittsburgh's a lifer. You yeah. you go to Pittsburgh, yeah. that's a lifer job. Yeah. Right? What, he, what did they say back in the day 
you used to get a job with like GM or Ford or one of the plants. That's a lifer. Yeah. <laughs> That's but what Pittsburgh is. If Joe Gibbs and Dan Snyder really can't get along, who is Dan Snyder gonna gonna like, right? I mean, Dan Snyder, I don't know him personally. We all know what he was like when he first came in the league. And maybe he's mellowed out a little bit because Jay Gruden lasted longer than I thought he was gonna last. Urban who the heck Meyer. really knows? Who who? Urban Meyer. You know, uh Urban Meyer only leaves a spot when he knows uh where where's he at? He, he's, he's back in the co- he's not back coaching somewhere for a small smaller team I, yeah i'm not sure where where okay. urban is but i could see urban go in there hey Dwayne, what can what can i do for you well we, that's we both share the fuck yeah. Eyes. yeah well you know that's interesting because urban urban meyer may want to test his luck i think it would be a disaster move i don't see his coaching style playing in the nfl uh many college coaches don't play well uh in the nfl um just ask uh, that wild guy, Chip Kelly. Um, it just it doesn't work. Steve Spurrier, it just doesn't work. I don't know where they go from here. I don't know what kind of coach you're going to get to come in there. Honestly, you, you'd have to be a first-time head coach to want to go there just to get your feet wet in coaching. You name me an established coach that would want to go there. Think I, about I, it. You can't draft your quarterback or have input. You're... That's why you got to go Urban Meyer. Right, but you know you know where I'm going with it. I, I, I'm saying stuck with Dwayne Haskins. It's not fair because we don't know what he can do. But you're you're forced on a quarterback that you don't know, right? And then he's the franchise quarterback going forward. You got a disgruntled left tackle right now who's the, one of the best left tackles in the game. Wow, do we got see an, the Arizona Cardinals all over again? Yeah, well, a, a new coach comes in. Doesn't like Dwayne Haskins trades trades the first round pick. Possible. Anything's possible. I, I just I just I, I just think they're a mess all the way from the top down. And how the GM survives, I have no clue how the GM survives. It's not so to for the head coach for Washington, it, it's gotta be one of two, right? It's either gotta be a mega, mega coach, right, with a mega name which it goes against everything that uh, Daniel Snyder wants, or it's got to be a guy coming from the college ranks. It's got to be one or the other. Because any of the guys that are, we'll call them retread coaches, they don't want to go there because they know that it, it's a toxic situation with a toxic owner. And they'll be, you know, after two years, they'll be right back where they were two years ago. So, you, you know, you, you could see maybe – Maybe it's it's last chance you for one of those failed coordinators, you know, like a not and I don't take this the wrong way, but like a Todd Haley, Greg Williams, somebody like that, you know, guys that have coached before, yeah. you know, don't really have another shot. Maybe you know, so Greg, that's why Greg Williams would jump at the chance. He would jump at the chance. He wouldn't even think twice about going to the Redskins if they called. And he's the type of guy that absolutely I can do it. Because he he's that thirsty to be a head coach again. That, look, at you, I don't, look at you using thirsty. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, well, Greg Williams' former team, the Saints, that defense is playing some great football. Yeah. And I think they're inspired by the loss of, of Drew Brees. However, Teddy Bridgewater is like, hey, 
I'm no slouch over here. You know, I just need to get warmed up a little bit. And he went off against the Bucks in a in a critical division matchup between the Bucks and the Saints. He went off and that but the defense was outstanding. Yeah, I look Bridgewater threw some pretty passes in that game. He threw some pretty passes and maybe you know, look, he got off to a little bit of a rough start coming back out, right? And everybody's like, oh, God. But he's playing really good football right now. Um, good for him. He's getting his feet wet back in the NFL. And where everybody thought the Saints were going to be a disaster and Drew Brees can't come back and, and fast enough to save, save them this year, Teddy Bridgewater is putting him in, in a really good position for when Drew Brees comes back. So – Kudos to to uh, to Bridgewater and everything that he's doing to keep that ship going straight. Yeah, I, I was just disappointed in uh, the way the Buccaneers really came out to play against the Saints. Um, and, you know, certainly the offensive game plan, let me tell you, when you have one of the league's top wide receivers in the game and he goes catchless, I don't want to hear it's because Marcus Lattimore was on him the entire game. Nope. Not going to do it because I'm going to get my wide receiver involved in any way I can. Yeah, I'm going to have you run, you know, seven, eights, and nines, but I'm also going to have you do that drag right across the line to make sure you get the ball in your hand. I'm going to do a bubble screen so you can know what that ball feels like on that field. And, you know, like they say with these wide receivers, and they're all divas, right? If they don't get those catches early, all of a sudden, they, they start to lose their focus for the game. And for him to come out of that game with nothing, no, that, that, that's bad. That's bad. That goes against the coordinator. That goes against the quarterback. That goes against the head coach. That goes against everybody. Yeah, I, 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 you, don't, you don't know how that happens. And that goes against Team Young Guns. Let me tell you how that impacted Team Young Guns. Sorry, but, you know. Well, again, it goes back to that trade you made a few weeks ago. That has now disrupted your whole team. It has. So, so. It's turned us upside down. I end up with the tie, Stevie D. Now, I'm thankful that I had the tie. And we're, we're going to talk more fantasy football a little bit later. I'm happy with the tie. But if I could have just had one catch for no yards, I still would have won because we're in a PPR. I would have still won one catch. You couldn't do a slant. You couldn't drag. You couldn't, oh, couldn't do a shuttle pass. Couldn't do any of that. I digress. You know, I feel, I feel like, in a way, I feel like Hugh Jackson. Wow, Hugh. All right. Well, we got yeah. Hugh back. All right. We got yeah, Hugh. yeah. Hugh, Hugh, Hugh will always stay here. But the reason why I brought up Hugh, Stevie D, did you see the whooping? Oh, my <laughs> the God. absolute whooping. That was, an, that was an old school Hugh Jackson whooping right there. Yes, it was. <laughs> That's mean, what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, God, you know, it, you want to believe in the Browns, right? You just want to believe they got all of this talent. And you want to believe in them. And everybody before the season, oh, this is going to be the year. 10 and 6, 11 and 5. Here we go. Cleveland Browns, the dog pounds back. And, and it's they're just a train wreck again. Now, at least they got two victories on the year. But Baker is confused out there. I think he's got four TDs and eight picks for the season. He's coolest out there. Freddie Kitchens looks like a deer in headlights right now as a head coach. Yeah. Um, and you just wonder when the cracks start happening from the superstar Odell Beckham. 
it, it is the it's the curse of Odell. We we talked right. about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's Odell's right. fault. Right, and and I, you're telling me that that Gettleman and Mara, especially John Mara of the Giants, the owner, is not sitting back and says, you know, you want to come at us, and look, <laughs> we traded you to a, a a team that's got studs all over the place, and and, and you're not getting it done. Right. It, it is. Is this the and, and I don't want I don't because I don't believe this. I heard this comment the other day that can you really win with a guy like Odell Beckham whose personality and ego gets in the way? Can can you make that happen on a team? No. Now, I know nothing about Odell Beckham. I know nothing about him. He could be the greatest teammate. And I, I, I just don't know. him. But now he's over in Cleveland. He's got all this. And it's not working. Why is that? Why is that? They have Jarvis Landry. They have Beckham. They got Chubb. They got, uh, well, they got Cream Hunt that's going to be coming here. So we'll see what he does in week nine or week 10, whatever, after their bye, if their bye comes into play. You just wonder what's going on. Is it more the head coach? Is it the head coach who's trying to run the offense and run a team instead of having an offensive coordinator? Maybe, you know, Freddie Kitchens was great last year because he was the coordinator and not the guy. And he can give that 100% focus to the offense. Now, all of a sudden, Kitchens has got to run the, the, the offense, oversee the defense and special teams. So he can't give that 100% focus to the offense. Is that part of the problem? Is it because he's a rookie head coach and he's going through growing pains of being a coach? All I know is that this is a huge disappointment this year in the NFL. They... They have to be the biggest disappointment this year in the NFL. By far. And, and, you know, the little things become magnified, right? The the debate of whether or not Baker Mayfield uh, shook the hands of Richard Sherman and the other guys across the line of scrimmage. Hey, shake hands or don't shake hands. I've seen guys that, you know, nod and acknowledge. You see some guys dap it up. Like, you know, no big deal. But now when, when you get – and you get your ass handed to you like that. Yeah, that gets magnified. People want to talk about that. And, you know, I, all right, so let me just put it out there. I don't like Ohio State. It don't give me the Ohio State trying to trademark, trying to trademark the. Really? <laughs> really? But I don't like them. And I really don't like Joey Bosa. And the fact that Joey Bosa, what, two, three years removed? Is going to sit there and do a sack dance like he's planting a fat, a flag. You're you're a little too late there, son. When Oklahoma went up into the horseshoe and, and laid a whooping on you, and Baker Mayfield took that sooner flag and planted it at the fifty. That's that's where it was all about. You on on a Monday night game, you know, with nobody watching it, all of a sudden want to do a sack dance like you're planting a flag. Ah, come on, you can do better than that. Yeah, but since you you kind of brought up the 49ers, right? The 49ers are undefeated, and they're probably the least most the least amount the least talked about undefeated team, right? Because we don't know what they are, right? They haven't really played. They played an underachieving Browns team, and you them. are what you said you are. That's right, and <laughs> I do believe your record shows that, right? But it, it it's like people will say, well, they haven't played anybody. Well, whoever they played, they've beaten. So you can't penalize them for that, for what, what's on the schedule. But San Francisco intrigues me. And, and 
can they are they that Cinderella team this year? Which, you know, you knew they were turning it around. Lynch was doing a good job. John Lynch, the GM, you knew he was doing a good job, but you just wondered, you know, how how many years out are the 49ers? And quietly, Lynch has put a pretty decent team together. And for me, right now, when I look at the NFL season, that's the team I'm really keeping my eye out on because at four and zero, everything's clicking really good. Um, and I, I'm that's a team I, that I, I want to keep my eye on. I'm going to tell you, it's not the players that Lynch put there. It's when he went out there and got Kyle Shanahan. Stolen from the Falcons. And what happened to the Falcons since he's been gone? Yeah, yeah. Garbage. And then he gets, he gets over to San Francisco, loses his quarterback, right, right, right from the beginning. But the way that he calls an offensive game, phenomenal. If you watch the play calling that was done during that game, I mean, it, it was absolutely – just a work of art the way he owned that Browns defense I mean he had guys that you know were set up for the run and then he he would do a reverse or he'd have guys set up for some some type of counter and then he'd do a pass they did they didn't know what was coming you had guys that were stacking the line of scrimmage tight end running deep okay but who hired Shanahan oh no doubt that's that's all Lynch right, right. That, that's his best move that is his best move. And then, you know, Sunday night game of the week. Uh, Colts Chiefs. I was there in person. You you were. You I were. were. I and, was. And, and, and you had uh, an interaction. JB. Right, but JB. JB was there. I was sitting uh, right next to JB for a while. But you left him. I did. I can't help it if I got you, a, you left a, him. a, you, like you a nice little him. upgrade. You, you got a nice time. little upgrade. I got a nice little upgrade from our our our, our guest that's going to be on later today. Oh, I thought it was because of official word sports. No, no, I, I got an upgrade thanks to Mr. Barber, and um, and, and we took the upgrade, and the people that we were with, and even JB, like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute, where where are you going? I said, we're gonna go up to yeah, the club. You know, I've de- I've detected something here. You know, you didn't want to be a man of the people. You know, you <laughs> wanted to big time people like that. You know. We, we we are the people's podcast. Yeah, but but think of think about who we were able to run into by doing that, by going up to 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 the club level. You you didn't run into Joe Kansas City fan, that's no. for sure. You didn't no, run didn't. into Jane Kansas City fan. You didn't run into her. You didn't run into the Colts fans. No, no, you you wanted to hobnob with the socialites. You know, I'm surprised <laughs> you don't have like followings on Twitter like Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton. It's it's on the way. Yeah, it's on the way. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, but for, so you know, for the Kansas City fans, I'm just going to call them the Nigerian nightmare, right? And and I'm not going to. We all know who that is, and, and and the Nigerian nightmare. But for the people that don't, um, that's Christian Okoye, that used to, is the Hall of Fame running back, the Chiefs Hall of Fame running back, uh, in their ring of honor. Uh, phenomenal man, phenomenal man. He was so gracious uh, with his time. Did you ask him about Steve Atwater? Um, no, I, I didn't ask him about Steve Atwater, but because um, I like Christian Okoye, and um, and no, all well, seriousness, no, I, that that was yeah, there was a great was great moment in greatest, NFL right there. Yeah, one of the greatest hits for both yeah. guys. Yeah, and but I, I'll tell you about Christian Okoye, um, and I heard this about Christian of how nice and giving of his time he is to individuals and. Um, it looked like he was about to kind of move on, and, and my son just walked up to him and asked him, "Mr. Koi, can I get a photo?" And just the um, 
enthusiasm to say, absolutely, I'd love to take a photo. I, I think that's what I think my son walked away with the most, that exchange of how genuine Christian Okoye was that night um, to as he was going to be moving on. And then as I was taking, you know, you take a couple snapshots and then a gentleman started walking across the, in front of the camera. And, and Christian was like, really, guy? <laughs> like, you had that look like, we're taking a photo. You just cut right in. And and he stopped me after I said, thank you for, for taking the photo. And he stopped me. He goes, do you need to redo the photo? Because that guy would just cut through. And I said, and I checked the camera. I said, no, I, I got it. He goes, okay, I just wanted to double check. And, you know, we and we shook hands. And and then he went on and, and, and moved on to the where he was going. And I thought, I just thought it was very nice. He was very genuine. Uh, we didn't get to talk football or anything, and I didn't want to stop him and, and going from going where he was going. But it was you a really cool exchange. Say, do you know who I am? No, I I didn't do that uh, because he'd say no, I don't, and I really didn't like it in front of all those people. But uh, it it was it was a really cool moment. Uh, my son was pretty geeked out about it, and and you know, he started texting all his friends like, "Oh my god, I just met Christian Aquay." So uh, it was a really cool moment. I really thank him for um, for stopping when he was on his way and, and taking that photo. So, you know, hopefully one day we can get Christian Okoye on here and, and kind of talk to him about um, how he got to start in football, but uh, really cool moment there. Um, as far as the chiefs and Colts go, um, I, I was, I was stunned. Yes. I really, yes. I, I, yeah. Right. I didn't see the Colts coming in doing what they did. I mean, when you think about the playoff game last year, uh, I, you just didn't see it coming uh, because they got their butts whipped in that playoff game. And so I, I'm going to tell you, there, there's two things that stood out to me. The first thing is that Patrick Mahomes was dinged up earlier, but it was more than a being dinged up. And the fact that he was not able to be mobile, it it, it exacerbated the injury that he had. And then his ability to make the plays was resigned to standing in the pocket and the offensive line just absolutely did him no favors. That's the I mean, first thing. Yeah, Robert Mathis is really as a defensive coach, defensive line coach, he's really getting those boys to play because they stepped up their game and play. Now I know the chiefs were missing two linemen. That's a big deal. And that's still, a huge deal. Yeah, huge deal. Right. And, and and you can tell that some of the plays that were beat was would they've been beaten if the starters were in. But, it, hey, you go to battle with who you go to battle with, right? But and, Stevie and D, that line came up and played. Mahomes' inability to be yeah. mobile yeah. Was, it was, was even more. He could yeah. not get get away out of the pocket. What he does – but now uh, – He had some bad throws, though. He did but, have oh, some bad oh, throws. Oh, God. Oh, God. The one pass that he had, I was all on texting you – what that was the yeah. sickest throw. Yeah. It was 40 yards on a rope, threw it in the perfect spot only for his receiver in the end zone. But hold on, not only was it 40 yards on a rope, my man is running in one direction, throwing across his body in the other direction, and just throwing laser. Oh, god, I, I we talked about it all the time about this guy, right? Oh. He he is what you if you've dissected every body part. And the best of the best of all time, you you can say it's Patrick Mahomes for the arm, Patrick Mahomes for the for the legs, Patrick Mahomes for the heart, Patrick Mahomes for the brain, um, all that stuff. Patrick Mahomes is that right now. Uh, the throws across his body with precision, 
is is an absolute um it's just unreal. I don't know how to say it. Like if you if you haven't had a real opportunity to watch Patrick Mahomes, you gotta find a way to watch him play. And to watch him play consistently, it's not just all of a sudden he's on Sunday night football and everybody turns around and says, Oh wow. He does that week in and week out like it's nothing. And if he's healthy and he doesn't have banged up ankles like he ran into this this weekend because he was getting hit, getting knocked around, he, he's just an, an unbelievable athlete. He leveraged his baseball skills to throw across his body with such speed and precision how that ball gets there. And on the money, it's absolutely incredible. His mechanics on how to do that are on point. The level of training that he got, he had to have gotten when he was younger. And the ability to put that in into this scenario, throw after throw, it's absolutely it's but it's isn't incredible. it in a way kind of like a shortstop? Yeah, and that's you, what he you, was. He was going across you're going across the yeah. grain and but yeah. you gotta throw that dart back to first. Yeah. But and when you think amazing. about his sidearm comes so low from underneath the pads because as a shots shortstop, when you think about how they how they come, you know, they, they present the glove and they come down and they're throwing across their body. There, that sidearm that that is really below the shoulder pad line. So for him, it's still a natural movement in shoulder pads. Where when you think of traditional <clears throat> quarterbacks that have grown up, maybe didn't play baseball in that fashion or through that, maybe they came over the top as a shortstop instead of coming a sidearm. Since he already had that built in, it, it's really a natural movement for him to do that, and and it's awesome and and. And you know what? We're, we're going to see in 10, 15 years, we're going to see a lot more Patrick Mahomes because that's what, you know, people are going to pick up on that. Oh, I can do that. And they're going to start practicing it. And next yeah. thing you know, you're going to see the next couple of Patrick Mahomes come in in the next 10 to 15 years in the NFL because they grew up at a young age watching Patrick Mahomes and changed their throwing style because, oh, Patrick Mahomes is doing it. I can do it. So, But um, we're giving a lot of love to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. We have to give some love to Frank Reich. Oh, great game plan. I, I got a buddy of mine that's a Colts fan, and we were we were texting back and forth. And uh, phenomenal coach, amazing game plan, amazing keeping that offense off the field as much as they can. Um, I but not just a, that. They, you know, they, they brought up a special point during the game, and, you know, we heard about it last year. We saw a little bit of it last year. But it's how analytics have come into the game of football. And basically, Frank Wright, looks at it, all right, we're at third down. What do the analytics say if we're at fourth uh, fourth down? Do we go for it here? I mean, this guy goes for it in his own in his own territory. And he'll go for it at, at his 30. You know, fourth and one, let's go. Let alone being in, you know, in the plus side and going for it. You know, it's that's an interesting – that's interesting, right? And I'm going to digress here for a second on that analytics. I think it's a great point about analytics. I would love to see, because Frank Wright's already diving into this. Um, What if you went into a preseason? I I don't know how you do this, right? And people are going to say, you're nuts. But go into a preseason game, a preseason game, and just don't use your punter, right? So on four plays, you design your four plays to get you your 10 yards. Been done. Right? I'm not not saying that's like go for it at the 20. Right. not at the you know, NFL level. There, there is a very successful, and I don't know where he is. School, high school team. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because he did the analytics on it. Yeah. And he says, I'm not going to punt. Because if I leverage my four downs to get my 10 yards, 
I'm going to get it more times than I'm not. And the more times I get it and keep that ball moving, I'm keeping the other side off the field. That's right. That's and right. I, you're right. You're right. It's probably not going to play in the NFL because it's crazy because it's the NFL and, and it's well, these you, guys you, are bigger you, and stronger in the game plans and this and that. It, the you probability. Know why, you, you know why it won't play in the NFL? Because if you don't make it and you lose. Oh, yeah. You get criticized like crazy. You'd be run out of town. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. No, if, I understand. If you, if you just, finish ten and six and you're a game out of the playoffs, oh, oh that game that you went for fourth yeah, down. But, but here's the deal: if you're doing something like that, your owner and your front office are behind you because they hired you, knowing that that's a philosophy that you have. So they would have to buy into that. So the organization as a whole would have to block out that noise because that that is what they believe. Certain organizations. Right? For certain organizations, that would work. Well, it's other- not going to happen. It's it's a fantasy fantasy idea. But you know, Frank Reich with the analytics, um, and I like I like the conference he shows and, and his percentage rates. And hey, good for the Colts. I mean, you want to talk about a team that had adversity coming in there, and they're three and two after losing their franchise quarterback. I I, I have to I have to come clean, eat eat some more crow, Stevie D. I just been eating crow all season. Okay. I'm right behind you, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, as soon as Andrew Luck said he retired, I was like, oh, that's it. Colts are done. Colts well, are done. They're, I will they're say, looking for a quarterback. I will say that I believed in Joe, uh, uh, Kobe Brissett. Yeah. You did? Uh, I didn't think the Colts – I'll see where they end at the end of the season. I just like Jacoby Brissett. I didn't know that they would be playing as well. Now, it looks like they got a little mojo now with this a big win. Just don't blow it next week. With the big win here, just don't blow it. How many teams you see that? Well, they get so amped up. They're on the buy. They're on a buy. Better yet, oh, that gets good for them. (laughs) They're on a buy. So Stevie D, I have to tell you, these penalties are really getting to me. We talked about it last week, and, and sure enough, it happens again. The penalty on Clay Matthews was just absolutely ridiculous, right? That, that <laughs> I don't even know how to explain how ridiculous that was. This was in the Rams-Seahawks game. Russell, and I don't know if you saw this, but Russell Wilson is rolling out. And Matthews comes up, legal shot, hits him in the shoulder just after he releases the ball. But because little old fragile... Russell Wilson running out there, and big bad Clay Matthews, maybe he needs to cut the hair, but here he comes, and he just throws him. Well, really, it was a love tap push, but pushed him down. All of a sudden, here comes the flag. Now, I I feel bad for Clay because, you know, he was victimized when he was with the Packers with stuff like this. Legal hits on a quarterback, and you're saying personal foul. And that came at such a crucial time. You're talking about a game that was less than seven points when this happened. And all of a sudden, it turns a third down into an automatic first down. You you can't do that. You can't. These referees, what, what do they say about the best officials? You don't know who they are. They are not part of the game. And yes, if there's a valid penalty, if there's a valid flagrant foul, then yes, you you, you have to call it. But so, you can't let these guys play. So I agree. You got to let them play. 
I'm going to play the other side. Do you think the referees are so scared not to throw the flag because the league will come down on them for not throwing the flag? So are they flag, you know, not being gun shy, but they're like, they're so, they're so nervous that they just throw the flag and they rather not because the league won't penalize them for throwing the flag because they're looking out for player safety. But if they don't throw the flag, what don't we know in the public that these referees go through or, or line officials go through for not throwing the flag? It's, it's a great question because I don't trust the league at all. That's right. I agree. So, you know, so, so I started thinking question. from a different different direction. We're blaming the, 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 the refs and all this stuff for throwing the flags on those questionable uh, hits. But I would just wonder if the NFL is scrutinizing them behind the scenes and then they get a scorecard. And that scorecard dictates certain things. Maybe it's a race from year to year. Maybe it's a playoff game where you get that extra money because you're now voted in to do playoff games and, and Super Bowls and stuff like that. You know, all part of that rating system. It's, so it's, I just it's, a great, it's a great question. That, I, that, you know, taking it from the other side, that's a great question. Because I mean, you, you look at it, you know, you, you wonder – how do you? How do these things keep happening? The only, and, and especially now that you say that the league, I, I really have to agree with you a little bit because think about it. Remember the the hit? Uh, who was it? Justin Houston? I forget who it was from the Chiefs. Oh, you mean that, last year's playoff game? Yes. The, when the, 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 um, Jones, um, um, what's his? Chris Jones, the phantom Chris hit Jones, on Brady. Yes, he touches Brady in the chest. While he's throwing the ball, he's trying to get through a blocker, reaches over, and, and all of a sudden he's called for a hit to the helmet, a blow to the – never even touched the head. Never even came close. Yep. But yet that's called. Is that because that's Brady? Is that because it's the quarterback? Is that because it's the league saying, look, TB12 has to stay upright. We, we can ill afford to have him go out. And that creates an unfair um, competitive balance in the league because now you're saying TB12 is above um, Jacoby Brissett in, in, in a game, right? So that's creating an unfair advantage because you're going to throw a flag so the next time the defender comes in, he's not going to take that shot. But yet it's okay. Cam Newton went through it, right? How come all these other quarterbacks are getting getting these penalties and I'm not? Now let let me let me give you another example. I'm not sure if you saw this one. I I went absolutely berserk. It's the Buffalo Tennessee game. Matt Milano is coming in, coming after Mariota. Deion Lewis cuts Matt Milano, and so Matt Milano goes flying over Deion Lewis. There was an actual block. It's not like he tried to Superman dive him or anything like that. He actually got blocked and got cut. And as he gets blocked and cut, he rolls. But we're not talking like stop, drop, and just keep rolling. We're just talking that be basic physics, right? Guy's coming up, you hit him low, he falls, and he rolls over. And as he rolls, Mariota throws the ball and steps forward into the roll and falls down. No problem, no injury, nothing like that. But Matt Milano gets called for roughing the passer. Please explain how I get hit. I fall down and roll for, and not even a full revolution. And because you're standing there, now I get penalized for that? Your guy blocked me into you. 
these referees, they, they make these calls. And to your point, maybe it is the league. But there has to be a balance in there. That you, you have to say, you know, A, you know, we always say that the quarterback is one of the 11 on the field. He's a player. He's getting a paycheck. But yet you have to say, let these guys play. Yeah, you know, uh, if if it if it's violent and vicious, if it if it's if it's something that that is truly a foul, yeah, you got to call it. There's no doubt. You can't take the third step. You really can't even take the second step. I get that. It's sad that this is the second week in a row that we're talking about penalties in a game. We're not talking football. We're talking penalties, right? And if we're talking about it, other outfits are talking about it. And that's and that takes away from the game, and that's that's really the travesty in this whole thing, right? I mean, I saw calls in in the Chiefs Colts game where they were, and we're, we're talking penalties. I'll, I'll shift it to what about the incomplete pass that they ruled an interception on the field? That when I saw it, when I saw it on the, I was at at a concession stand at that point in time when that play happened, and I'm watching it on the TV monitor, and I'm like, oh, that's an incomplete pass. Right, and it's just like they ruled it an interception. They had a um, a catch that they ruled a fumble on the field with Kelsey, and they had to overturn that one. It's almost like sometimes I feel that they leverage the well. It's going to be an automatic replay anyway. Yes, yes. So just go with it. Yes. Instead of making the right call, and if it's inconclusive, that's not fair. Yes. Right? So I, I don't like that right. piece. I don't like that piece because now they have that fail safe there. Well, it's going to be looked at anyway. Get the call right on the field because it matters. And Because the other piece that I'll say to it, it's about a turnover. So now yes. a ball is now what's called a non-fumble, but the ball's on the ground. The defensive team picks it up and runs it back for a touchdown, but they blew it dead, and they got the call wrong, which could have been a TD for the defense. But that happened twice, That ha- at least twice that I saw. This past week, right? So where, where you had the fumble? Yeah, it, it, it's really bad. It's really bad. And honestly, the fan, the fans, are not speaking loud enough to where the NFL can hear them or get to a spot where the NFL can hear them, right? Because it, it, it's it's sad that the fans is what pays for this league, and yet we're getting stuff that we don't want. Okay. Now look, the pass interference call, I saw a couple of them this weekend and they were all all held were up held. Yep. Um on the replays. Yep. Okay. My theory is that the officials will not overturn something unless the call is so egregious, they will not overturn it. They will not. They will not overturn it because they know that the more times these coaches challenge and they don't overturn it, those flags will stop coming out because people are like, they're not overturning it anyway. So what's going to happen is if you have a play like in the Rams-Saints game from last year in the championship game, when they throw the flag out, then they can overturn it. Right? That's my my cynical view on it. They won't overturn calls. You had the pick play in the Buffalo-Patriot game that should have been overturned, and it wasn't. It wasn't overturned because they don't want to overturn those calls. They're going to wait for the critical games. Stevie D, I'm laughing because at, at the at the rate that they're going right now, if we had a replay of that Saints Rams game, and Sean Payton throws the flag, 
and they say that there's no penalty, like they've been saying. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! But but really, that's what the rule is. That's what why this replay came in. The problem is it's being used for everyday, everyday type of plays, and I don't agree with it. I'm okay if you wanted to bring that in where the league in a playoff game buzzes down to the official and saying, we want to take a look at it. I would be okay with that. Because you know, somebody, it, it, somebody it, somewhere is looking at it. it you, you know, when you, when you think about it, you and I both are old school, right? There's always jostling uh, for position. There's a push off by the offense. There's grabbing of the jersey. There's an arm wrap by the by the defense. It, it, it's been happening since the game has been started. Um, I don't I don't like the fact that you can throw a flag on pass interference because then you might as well throw a flag on holding, right? You you, you might as well throw a flag on the hands to the face penalty when you got the guy by the jersey, right? You can, you can do all those things. Um, I don't like it at all. I think that there needs to be better and stronger oversight on officiating. And if that is done and officials are held accountable for their work on the field by an independent third party, I think that we would see a completely different called game. Oh, I, I agree. I, I, I totally agree with that statement. And, and, and look, when I was a kid, every, every day after school, you play football in, on school grounds or an open field, right? You put your jackets down as your pylons so you knew where the touchdown was, right? So when you got out and the weather's cold, you kind of makeshift your own football field. People put their jackets down to, to emulate that. And then you play the game of football with your friends. Wow. And what do we say? We, we, Street see, we, we grew up in completely different areas. And we had pylons and we had lines across the field. Yeah, well, we're talking about – I'm talking about street football. Okay, <laughs> That's street what football. I'm talking about. All right. We, well, well, you grew – maybe you, you had more more areas over there than I did to, to play. But the, the my space was the all tied up. Of Long Island. Yeah, I'm telling you. Strong <laughs> Island, baby. Strong Island. But – we we go to an open field, right? And, and the kids show up. We put our jackets down. We ma- we make a makeshift field. And what do we play? We play street rules, right? Street rules were you got away with some stuff unless it was really outrageous. And then somebody would speak up and says, "Man, that was pass interference." And the kids would all step up. And go, oh yeah, that was pretty bad. I saw it. And, and it was called pass interference. Why are we overcomplicating it? Why is every little ticky tack thing called a penalty? The amount of flags going down is ridiculous. It's slowing the game up, slowing the the flow of the game. You, we can't have more than five consecutive plays without some type of flag being called. I'm not talking about a, a defensive lineman charging over the field and, and unevaded to the quarterback. I'm not talking about those penalties. I'm just talking about dude, you got to let these kids play. As fans, that's what we want. We don't want to see the yellow flags all over the place. I get more pissed off to see another yellow flag, even if it's even if it's for the Jets. I'm like, come on, can we just play the game, let these guys play? And, and we're just overdoing it, overdoing it, overdoing it. And it's like, the older I get, the crankier I get. And the more I get turned away from it. Uh-huh. And, and the NFL, it, it, look, the NFL is a juggernaut. 
But I tell you, you do lose fans. You do lose fans. Right? They have nine billion thousand of them out there, but you're still losing fans because they're ruining that that part of the game. And let me tell you something. We talked about the younger generation. That's all they're gonna know. Yeah, that may be all they know. But let me tell you something. My son, who's grown up in this new era, we talk about it, and he's even like, "You gotta be kidding me with all this." He's getting fed up, and he's a young kid. You know, so, there, there have been 54 pass roughing the passer penalties this year. 54. For defensive pass interference, there's been 69. But what they what what I've noticed, and, and this holds true, there's been 91 defensive holding penalties. Right? But what the league what the league has kind of done is they have even though there's pass interference, they'll call the defensive holding, which is only a five-yard penalty and an automatic first down, instead of calling the pass interference. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's. Uh, I think we should move on from this topic because I don't I know, know about I, you. I, I, I right? My blood is boiling on. talking about penalties. I don't want I don't want to move on because the topic that we're going to talk about is absolutely disgusting and we you know we're fans of the NFL but this topic is absolutely disgusting and is a black eye on the NFL should be a black eye on Roger Goodell and it's not getting the type of coverage in the media that it deserves to get I and I'm, do, I'm pissed off at Mason Rudolph's family yeah. Because yeah. they should be going out and going after the NFL because of what happened. Mason's not going to say anything because he's still playing in the league, right? He's not going to say anything. And, and he's probably telling his parents not to say anything. Probably. But I'll tell you, if that was my kid, I wouldn't keep my mouth shut. I wouldn't keep it because the NFL is hypocritical. Hypocritical. It, it is the worst that I have ever seen. They talk about player safety. That's the hypocrisy. That, that, that is the absolute hypocrisy from the NFL. Love the game. Love the sport. Can't stand Roger Goodell. and can't stand his little minions that are running around up in New York governing the game. But now, for the folks that may not have seen the play, maybe heard of it, so Mason Rudolph got hit. Now, when you watch him fall, if you watched the Rocky – the first Rocky movie, if you watched, uh, somebody just kind of fall sideways, like you're falling on, on, the, on your side, you knew at the time he was falling down, he was knocked out. It, it kind of reminded me of a player that got paralyzed and just falls to the ground because you got no body movement or somebody that just got knocked out, like a boxer just got knocked out. Or like I said in the Rocky movies, when they would fall down, and their body would go limp as they fall, like not limp, but they just fall yeah. straight down. Yeah, that's what out. happened with Mason. That's what happened to Mason Rudolph. And it was it, a double hit, too. Yeah, yes, it was a double hit. Anybody that was on that football field that saw that play, whether you're in the stands, on the sidelines, watching the game, you knew as soon as he was because when I saw the play and I saw him falling down, my first reaction was, Oh, he got knocked out. Like, because you I think you're the one who told me, Hey, did you see that? And I didn't. And so I, I went through the channels and I was able to get back to one of the, I think it was NFL Network that was showing replays of the game. And they showed that play real time. And as soon as I saw a fall, I'm like, oh my God, he's knocked out. 
Like it was a no brainer. He was knocked out on the floor and, and how the NFL responded to that. And they followed protocols. The protocols came out. They removed the face mask. It, if I correct me if I'm wrong, keep me honest here. When you remove the face mask, you're automatically supposed to be on a board and on yeah. a cart when they remove the face mask. I thought that was part of the league protocol. I, I don't I don't know that rule. Yeah. That I could have sworn I heard that from somewhere. I did not look or fact check that. But there's I I, I thought I heard that on uh, what I uh, shoot it, it it made it be on ESPN radio um on on removing of the face mask that it, it turns into um automatic um uh you have to bring out the cart because that point you don't know what's wrong is it a neck is it a head you don't know anything and then they come up with a hot i i i tell you it's really this well, is really oh, testing on, oh, my oh. patience by putting some bad words out there oh, hold on before you get there so the hit the hit was made by Earl Thomas, right? Earl, Earl Thomas has played in the game so for a long time, and, and I felt bad for Earl Thomas because he's not a dirty player, right? We talked about the Vontez perfect and whether or not you know he should have been, but he has a track record. Earl Thomas doesn't have that type of track record. He's a hard hitting but a, a hard nosed straight player, and it was just one of those situations where the bodies are in one position and turn, you know, in a split second into another position. And that's where the helmet caught underneath Mason Rudolph. And he was actually being pulled back. So it really exposed him. And, you know, that's when he got hit. And to your point, when he went down, so he's out. And then when he goes down, he's all by himself just falling. And you see that head hit. And then he had his arm out. It, it was reminiscent of when Dob Beebe, got laid out on the sideline and his arm just stayed up in the air. Oh yes. I remember that hit. Yes. Yep. It, very reminiscent because it, out just like you said, completely out. And you could see the players running over, you know, it, it, it's so funny, not funny, haha, but it's so funny when, when you see the players come over, you, you can gauge how bad the injury is, right? Because players will walk by. If they turn around and start walking back to the huddle, oh, it's no big deal. He's got a cramp, <laughs> right? Uh, just stretch it out. Oh, it may be a hammy, something like that. If players walk over and they see the, the, the leg is turned in a different direction, they're yelling, right? There's a, you got to get somebody over here now, right? When a guy is laying on the ground, eyes closed, hands stuck up, or arms stuck up in the air, and that they were calling for people. They're, you got to get over here. That is instant nine one one. Go ahead, CBD. I hope the, the the blood started to simmer a little bit. Well, it has. It has. Good, because my mine is about to start to race. All right, so <laughs> because it, the league just keeps they harp on this BS player safety, right? So you revamp all the rules, right? You revamp all the rules. What you can do, where you hit somebody. Look, some of the rules are good rules. Right, because I don't want to see anybody leaving the NFL career and not being able to to remember anything. That that's not fun. So uh, I understand some of the rule changes, but when you see this on the field and protocols are not followed, I, it makes me sick. 
But it's more it's more than that. Let, let, let me jump in for a second. It's more than that. Don't lie. Oh, yeah, thank you. I, Don't that's where I was going to lie. Go. I thank you very much cuz that's what I was going to say is that they changed their statement. What I mean, really the the cart doesn't work. Well, so right. if the so, cart so, doesn't so, work, so you don't bring, bring an ambulance that's in the back that's mandatory that you have an ambulance on on the uh in the in the uh in the, on the grounds. Bring, by bring by it, law, they have back. to have an ambulance. How how do you have a malfunctioning cart? Well, Shouldn't hey, everything be checked the day yeah, before? Hey, look, yeah, look, the cart hey, drives hey, up, the cart hey, drives back. No, but think about this though, and, and I'll this is what I'll say. We notice in our fields of IT that. One minute the computer works, the next minute it blue screens or it's dead, it's whatever. So anything can happen, and maybe something happened with the golf cart. There's an ambulance but wait, in the building. But wait, what do we always make sure that we have? A backup? Absolutely. And there was one on the other side of the field. Don't lie. Okay. That That's okay. what's bugging me with this damn league and Roger Goodell. Don't lie. You got a man that's out there that is part of the shield knocked out completely. You don't know what's wrong. You have, okay. So you open the, the can there because I was talking about Mason's family. You have a person's life there. You don't know what the heck just happened, right? The play just happened. Now, maybe he woke up and there was some signs there. I don't know, but it's not the point. The man just got, what if he picked him up? You know, sometimes injuries don't come up and it, it takes a second or two to happen. What if they stood him up and the guy just collapsed and hit his head again because Absolutely. the guy didn't catch him on the way down? There's Absolutely. so many scenarios that could have happened. And for the NFL to lie about, look, this is this is Roger Goodell. The same thing with the Patriots cheating scandal. He burns the evidence. Everything is, is, is lies. They don't take ownership in the NFC Championship game last year, right? Could they have changed it? No. Could they have been sued by the fans? Even if they came out and said, we made a mistake. Look, fans, you got to deal with it. It sucks. I get it. They made a mistake. You have to move on. But take ownership. Take ownership. You ask your kids to take ownership on anything they do. But yet the league can't take ownership. The, the commissioner can't take ownership. It's an embarrassment. It's, a, it's, it's an embarrassment to the sport. Absolutely is. Absolutely is. So the, the good thing for uh, for Mason Rudolph is the fact that, you know, I guess what a day later uh, he, he was back at the Steelers facility and, you know, he's definitely going to be in that concussion protocol for a little bit. You know, I feel bad for Earl Thomas, um, you know, because you, ne you never want to see something like that happen. Uh, it's a brotherhood out there for these guys, right? And, and you don't want to see something like that happen. Uh, and it's too bad that it that it happened the way it did. It's a violent sport, you know, and you you know what you sign up for, but uh, you you also have a level of expectation. And it, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking of Trent Williams. <laughs> right? You have a level of expectation that the team that you're playing for, that the league that you're playing for, has your best interest because you have their best interest in sacrificing your body. And, you know, what what they did, you know, watching the guys carry him off, you know, you, you're just thinking, something's not right. Something's not right. And just to hear the lies time after time, you, you know, what could happen 
is that this group of cons and liars sitting up there, led by Roger Goodell, they could end up turning what used to be the greatest sport, the true American pastime. And if they continue down this road, it's going to turn people off. It's going to turn people away. Yep. And look, every, every, um, except for hockey, every, like America, baseball was America's pastime and it got passed over. I'm not going to say for league relations, but they got passed over. The NBA got very popular for a while. And then fans got turned off on that strike that they had. Uh, and maybe there were some other things that happened. Uh, it was the retirement of number 23. 23 right. But in, in the NFL, just if you think you're invincible, you're, nobody's invincible. Um, and, and it may be a while before you become invincible. But if you're going to have that attitude, like we can do whatever we want, we're the NFL. Uh, at some point, the fans will turn their back. Absolutely. Because you're not putting the fans first. And that, that that's what's paying your salary, Roger Goodell. It's paying the owners, paying the players. Uh, the fans control the sport. And sometimes I wish there was a a, a fan part, um, petition group out there that was an advocate for all the fans and, and coming up with boycott scenarios. And, and let me tell you something. If Even though you had to buy the seat, if you bought the seat and nobody showed up for for the whole one week, no fan showed up in any stadium, even though the tickets were bought. I think that sends a pretty loud message. Loud message. I think we're going to create a petition for the removal of Roger Goodell. Yeah. Let me tell you something. You would have 99.999999%. And the only people that wouldn't vote for is probably his parents. <laughs> I think his son would vote him out just because that I don't know, understand what you're doing. <laughs> Well, Stevie D, it's time for our picks. All right. <laughs> once, it, once again, you don't want our picks. At least you don't oh, want mine. <laughs> yours, oh, please. Oh, you don't want mine. But let, let's get it. Let's kick it off. Let's kick it off with the Texans versus the Chiefs. This is going to be an interesting matchup. The Texans and Deshaun Watson just went absolutely bananas. They went crazy out there. Throwing a Will Fuller all over the place. I mean, just throwing up what another half a hundred score going up there, I, it, but now now they face the Chiefs, and I'm going to be honest with you, I am all over the Texans on this one. I don't think the Chiefs' defense can put up with Deshaun Watson. There's no uh, need to go for it on on fourth down because it, it, it's just going to be an aerial assault. And unfortunately, Mr. Mahomes is not a hundred percent. So, oh. In the home of the Texans. That is who I'm going with. I'm going wow. with the Texans. Wow. Absolutely, yes. I am do going you, do you, you know, need do you need security detail when you when you go to work? <laughs> <laughs> I may. I may. But you know, um you mentioned Deshaun Watson, right? And 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 how well he's playing and the dynamic player that he's becoming week after week. And what, what I'll say is is that right now the Chiefs' defense, I don't think, can run with the Texans, right? If the Texans fall, it's because of their own game planning, right? That That's where they're going to fall. I think the Texans are going to put up a lot of points. Now, I also believe, right or wrong, I do believe part of the reason why the Chiefs are not the Chiefs right now, look, Mahomes is injured, but it doesn't, you know, a little banged up. But Mahomes can still throw that football. 
right? He can throw it from, from his kneecaps and find his people. He can, he can throw it without even looking at his receiver. This offense seems to really run with Tyreek Hill. And if you, if you look at the Chiefs' performance this year, it really hasn't been good. And you know what? Tyreek Hill has been out, right? He's been out. So I, I really believe that when they get Tyreek Hill back, and maybe he's back this week, then that's when the offense is going to start taking off. So until I see Tyreek Hill right now, I'm on with the Texans. Once Tyreek Hill comes back, then I can start looking at, at the Chiefs again. Uh, not against top talent. Maybe against weaker talent, the Chiefs can win. But I, I love everything about the Texans, and I, that's my pick. All right. So we both go with the Texans. 49ers, Rams. Well, I'll, I'll jump on this one first. Yeah, yeah. And so um, the 49ers are a great story. 4-0. The Rams are underachieving for whatever reason. Super Bowl hangover, whatever you want to call it. Um, but are, they, are they really underachieving? Well, I think they're a better team than, than what they're playing. Yes, I, I think they are. Now, he, they, here's they, the thing. They lost one game by one point, and they lost the other, you know, well, by, by because of a sack fumble touchdown. Yeah, they could have a much better record. Sure, they could. But, the record but I, don't, is, I don't, don't know if they're underachieving. They're, they're just not doing what they did last year. Okay. Okay. I can go with that. But here's the thing. I might, it's hard to say must win games. Let me tell you something. I, I think this is like a must, must win. Yeah. For the Rams. And, yeah. and I think in a must win at home against the division rival, I, I think the Rams are going to do it. So I, I, I got the Rams. I, I, can't, I can't disagree with you there. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at this matchup, uh, you know, basically, you you are talking about you know it, it's a it's a three game swing. Basically, the Rams could be written off from the West <laughs> this quickly uh, because you have the 49ers that are undefeated, and you have the the Rams who have two losses, and this would be a second division loss. Uh, that that's tough. That's tough. It's at home. Niners don't have to travel. <laughs> I'm, trying, right. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure this out. There's not a whole lot of travel for the Niners. The Niners are, are calling a great game. I like the Niners to go in there, and if it's an upset, call it an upset. And right now, there's no line on it. I like the Niners to win this game. Yeah, look, I – I can go either way. I just think this is more a desperation game from the Rams, and I think the Rams are going to come out hungry for this game. And I think that there's a little wake-up call going on in, in that in that locker room, and I think they're going to come out and play. Like I said, I, I think the 49ers are a great story. I just think the Rams have a lot more on the table to lose, and I don't think they're going to let that slip away. They're too good of a football team to let it slip away. The next game, CVD. Again, it's a it's one of our primetime games. It's the Monday night game. But it's the Packers versus the Lions. And I say that in such a manner because who would have thunk? Who would have thunk that we would have had the Lions in a pivotal matchup? But they're they're two one and one, right? They had the tie. Uh that was open and open and weak against the Arizona Cardinals. But the Lions are playing decent ball. I just don't see the Lions being able to compete with the Packers. 
Yeah, I just, I, don't, I just don't see it. Coming I'm off a of buy, I still don't see it. I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. It's again, I don't believe in the Lions. They're two one and one, but I just don't believe. It. Look, you tied the Arizona Cardinals, so it's not like that two one one is a legit tie. Um, the Packers. Look, you know, I was really when I mean, you look at the Packers last week. You know, Aaron Rodgers handed the ball off quite a bit to Mr. Jones, and he lit it up. And so maybe the the Packers are going to leverage this balance a little bit better, and maybe Aaron Rodgers will wake up and and, and start being the Aaron Rodgers of old because now when you have a running game that can set up his passing game, he would become more dangerous. Packers are at home. I just I can't go against the Pack at home against the Lions. Can't do it. Sorry, and, and, and sorry, and Matt, surprise, Patricia. The the surprising thing is I really did not see the Packers having this good of a season this year. Dude, their defense is legit. Absolutely, absolutely. And then of course we we have to have our Miami Dolphins uh, segment, if you will, because the Dolphins are are going for history. They're going for destiny. And here come the Washington Redskins. Ah! That's the cure for any ailments. What are you doing, schedule makers? You're ruining everything. The Dolphins can actually win this game. They They can't actually win this game. I, I don't I don't know where to go, Stevie D. I don't know where to go on this one. Well, in the in the theme, uh, we want the, the only team in history to have an undefeated season to be the only team in history to have an undefeated team and a winless team. I got the Redskins. I don't yeah. care. I like that. I like that. Right? I, I gotta like keep that. it alive. Pop some champagne. Oh, I like that. I like that. So let's go, Redskins. Let's go, Redskins. Go down into Miami Gardens and just take take wreck shop. I like that. I don't see it happening, but <laughs> the Redskins the Redskins are in disarray. Maybe for uh, Callahan, they they will say, you know what, we're going to do this one for you. Think, you know, thank God Jay Gruden is gone. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe they're going to be inspired by you, by what happens. You mean Snyder? Hired the the guy from Callahan Auto Parts that makes the brake pads. That's the guy. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't surprise me over there in Washington. We're right about now bringing that guy in. That's the guy. But uh, yeah, so those are our picks. Our picks are in. Uh, I I have the Texans over the Chiefs. I have the Forty ers over the Rams. I have the Packers over the Lions, and I have the Redskins over the Dolphins. And Stevie D. We differed a little bit on this one. That's good. Yeah, the Rams, the Rams game. Yes. That's the only, that's the only difference. Yep. So that that's good. All right, Stevie D. So it's time for us to go to our fantastic finishes. And I'm loving this whole fantastic finishes thing where we're able to get the owners from our fantasy football league to come on. And, you know, we tried to get the guys that put up the most points or whose teams that put up the most points in the current week. Again, JB, you got to raise your game or we'll make a special exemption for you if you lower your game. But for this week, for this week, we we bring back an old name, new name, however you want to put it, former guest on the show. We bring back Sean Barber, the team of the Daily Stoller. Welcome, Sean. Yeah, man. First of all, I need to represent, tell them I'm glad to be here. Uh, All the members of the Daily Stoller. 
my roster, um, those are guys that got me here on the show. Um, I, I squeaked by old Stevie D's New York Jersey, New York Jets team by four points to uh, take the, the overall lead in points this week with 158. That's a good number. That's a good number right there. Yeah. So, uh, so, so this week, what what kind of pep talk did you give your boys to go out there and throw up a, a 158 burger? I uh, mean, it was two and two, man. I told them I'm t- I'm tired of the lukewarm. I, t- I told I had to go to some of my dogs and say, listen, man, like you supposed to be alphas. I drafted you to be alphas, not to just be middle of the pack. And so this two and two record, this 500, just uh, uh, just hanging in a in a, in a little mediocrity. Uh, that wasn't what the Daily Stalic was about. This team was drafted for excellence, uh, and I expect that from them each week. I had that same one, and then all of a sudden everything went south. Yeah, because you made the trade. You disrupt time continuum. You, you ripped apart your whole clubhouse. That's because Baker was in there, and he was creating a lot of noise. We had to get rid of Baker. Well. Well, so you know, now that we have, you know, it's funny. Not often do we have the top point getter and the low point getter on the same show. There you go again. There, yeah, there, you, shot. there you go again. I don't know what shot you're talking fired. about. Shot fired. That's all you do. Well, you know what? It, it's payback for all the time you make fun of my Jets. So it's payback because, you know, this is going to be a long football season for, for my team. And your team is looking pretty darn good. So I got to get my shots in where I can. Win a, win a game first, then you can talk. Yeah, but that's fair. But we're, right now we're talking about fantasy football. So <laughs> I, I, got a, I got a couple of wins. So, Sean, hey. is there a team out there right now that you're fearing? I mean, does your team have any fear against any any other opponent out there? Be I mean, the, num- the number one team in the league right now is Assassin Squad. I mean, he's sitting at 4-1. and one. He's sitting all pretty in the other division. Uh, he's sitting high on the horse, man. I got, I got, my, I got my eyes, my focus. He, he's definitely got a big old target on his back. Uh, I don't know when I play him, but when I see him, he's going down, baby. All right. Wow. Liking it. But the fear should be against Young Guns. What do you say? You should be fearing Team Young Guns. What's oh, I, I should be fearing. No, I don't. No, don't fear him. Uh, really, like really, when I when I look across the league, there are certain teams I feel like have a little bit more oomph, a little bit more firepower. Uh, they got some star power. Uh, my my team is built to be consistent, right? We're gonna we're gonna be consistently hanging around this 145, 150, 150 point mark uh, throughout the season. Uh, we don't have any of these weeks where we have five and six guys on the bye week, um, like Assassin Squad has week ten. He has six guys all on the bye week in week 10, so he's not going to be able to perform with his current roster um, that week. Uh, but I, I've avoided that. I've avoided any of those hurdles. Um, each week, my, my, I, got, I got the buys worked out. I got fill-ins. I got guys ready to step up to the next, uh, the next man up mentality. So each week, man, you're going to get, you're gonna get my, my, my team um, on all cylinders. We, don't, we might not be, you know, uh, uh, balls to the wall, you know, floor, you know, pedal to the metal. But we're gonna be we're gonna be rolling about 89 to 90 percent of our capacity each and every week. Um, and I think that's what you got to do. You got to be consistent to win championships. Stevie D, did I hear him say he did not fear Team Young Guns? Oh yeah, I heard it. Why would I fear Team Young Guns? 
Didn't he take an L to Team Young Guns? Uh, that was like uh, a month no, and a half did ago. The, the, no, did he not take an L to Team Young Guns? Uh, he did, yes, yes. Uh, I why believe why that you bring up old stuff? Why are we bringing up old stuff? Like right now, like I'm the, I'm the third I'm the third place team in the league. There's only two teams in the league with better records than me. So if you ain't one of those two teams, you need to just bow down. Wow. Now, now, Sean, I believe your team is the highest point uh, scorer team, correct? What, 671? 671, uh, you know, uh, we, we, put, we put up points. You know, we, we put up points on everybody. We, we, we are not afraid to run up a scoreboard on you. Uh, we don't we don't play. We're not trying to make friends and all that. You know, some of y'all, I think they, they, they when they when they playing against somebody, and they don't think they're gonna score points. They don't want to run. No, we trying to run up the score. We are trying to set up. Uh, uh, we want to be the number one uh, team on offense, scoring points overall when it, when it's all said and done. And then we just want to see that the playoffs. We just want to be one of the uh, uh, four teams. I think it's four teams that make it to the playoffs. The opportunity to, to bring it home. So you know, that's a great point you brought up that you don't have a you're not afraid to run up the score. You know, there's um, there's a perception out there uh, about your team that um, that when it's in the fourth quarter, when you have an opportunity to take a knee, to not run up the score and show some sportsmanship, that that you tell your team to go out and get it. It's their job to stop it. I mean, can you comment on that? Well, I mean, I, nah, I mean. I just want, I mean the 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 captain of my ship is Russell Wilson, and everybody knows Russell Wilson. The offense is, is is always one of those potentially high scoring offenses, um, and now I, I've had to make some adjustments. But I've I've seen some I've seen a chink in the armor. I've seen a little little weakness that 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 running game in Seattle is getting stronger and stronger. And I and I, I think they're going to take away some of my fantasy production from Russell Wilson. So I've had to incorporate and call on a young gun, a young Kyler Murray, on his rookie season. I think this is the week. I put him in there. I think this is the week. He becomes my guy. And Kyler Murray will be starting this week over Russell Wilson. Book it. Is Russell Wilson on a bye? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> no, he's not on the bye. I mean, wow. That's what, I'm just telling you, you got to make ball of moves like that. You can't just keep rolling with the same lineup. Now, am I playing uh, you this week? Please tell me I'm playing you this week. No, wow. you're not. All right, all right. Don't wow, Kyler Murray getting his first fantasy football start in any football league across the country. <laughs> He's going against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, oh, that we is saw, crazy. He's going against we, the we Falcons. We just saw the Falcons. Yeah. 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 Houston just put up 52 on them. Uh, Russell Wilson's got the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, the Cleveland Browns didn't look as bad, but they, they look terrible against the running game. I think their they're passing attack, uh, rush, pass rush, and the DBs. Cleveland actually, I thought they, they came to play. It's just that, that ground game. Uh, so, yeah, I would be a little bit scared of that uh, Seattle ground game. Chris Carson um, and, and Rashard Penny, those guys would start for me if they were on my team. But I got some, I got some horses in the stable. I got, I got, I got some horses in the stable. I got some good matchups. I got, the, uh, uh, I got a couple of Cowboys. You want to talk about that? I got a couple of Cowboys going against your New York Jets. So, you know those guys are starting in my lineup. Yeah, well, you better be. Hey, look, we'll be ready to play. Don't you worry. All right, my my boys are gonna be ready to play, and we'll see if your boys get out of t- get out of there. Okay. All right, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, you heard me. Yeah. All right. We'll see. I'm starting. We'll see what you're gonna I'm do. Starting the ground, the ground and air game. I'm starting. Amari right. uh, Cooper and Ezekiel. Hey, both be dude, starting. Hey, Amari Cooper, you better not come over the middle. 
all right? Because my boy Jamal is there waiting for you, all right? All day long, all day long. Don't come over the middle. We'll take the shot when we got it. We'll take the shot. It's going to take We're the take shot. It. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, so, Sean, um, changing gears here a little bit uh, from fancy football. Um, obviously, you played for the Chiefs. You follow the Chiefs. You do a lot with the Chiefs um, and the podcast. And we'd like to hear more about your, the podcast that you do with the Kansas City Chiefs. But before we get into that, um, so do you want to give us kind of like what your take is on the Kansas City Chiefs so far um, through the season and, and the good, the bad, and, and what they need to do to kind of get the ship back on target a little bit? Yeah, I, think, I mean, I, they started out fast. I think the offense uh, definitely uh, kind of uh, left from where they took off last year. Um, um, Mahomes just a he's, he's a talented. He's a he's a generational type quarterback. Has a special arm. He can make all the throws, all the different arm slots. He doesn't have to step into a throw. He can throw from the back foot. Uh, great vision down the field. Great anticipation and understanding of how receivers uh, routes uh, sometimes change depending on defensive concepts. Um, and with all that, bringing it all together, he's, I mean, he has, he has a touch on the ball, pinpoint passing, so he has everything. He has, he has it all together. Um, and you marry that up with Andy Reid and his creativity of uh, building up some mismatch, uh, some matchup problems on the defensive side of the ball with his shifts and motions and uh, the reverse games and the ghost motion type things that get people out of place. Uh, they've been able to, in their first four games, were able to put up some points. Um, Detroit um, uh, got in a situation where we, we went into Detroit. Uh, Detroit obviously uh, decided to play a lot of man, a lot of uh, rerouting receivers. They wanted to challenge the guys to not let free free uh, releases by the receivers. Um, and, the, and the offense did. They struggled a little bit against Detroit, um, but made enough plays at the end of the game uh, to find to, to get out of Motown with a win. Uh, now coming into coming back home and facing a, a very hungry uh, uh, Colts team based off of getting beat, putting them out of the playoffs last year. The Colts came in. Um, I heard all week long. I saw pictures all week long. Their, their entire offensive line, backfield, all wearing hats, all around the facility said, "Run the damn ball." That was their that was their mantra, their motto coming into the game. Everybody knew what they wanted to do. And to, 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 to come into a person's home and tell them what you're going to do and still do it, you got to take your hats off. You just got to uh, eat, eat, eat humble pie sometime and realize they were the better team. They were more physical up front on both lines, defensive line and offensive line. Um, a couple of their defensive guys made our offensive line look silly at times. Um, now, we, we had some injuries. Uh, Fisher was down. Uh, Wiley went out with an ankle sprain. So we had some, you know, um, Cam Irvin and, a young hunter. We had, we had some guys that were not usually out there uh, trying to protect Pat Mahomes, so it was kind of causing our offense to be a little bit out of sync. But uh, even with all that said, giving up you know 160 yard yards on the rushing game and um, time of possession second half was 22 minutes to eight minutes um, for the second half. It still came down to a four minute. Uh, four or five minutes left in the game, and the Chiefs are only down by a score. It was a six-point lead. Mahomes had the ball in his hand. That was the time uh, we kind of expected Mahomes to you know, turn into showtime and, and Sunday night football and eke out a win um, on a game where you didn't deserve it. And he just couldn't get it done at that time. I mean, I think the ankle injury had something to do with it. Uh, 
but also you got to take your hats off to the Colts. They played 75% of their snaps in man coverage. This is a team that was known as a base cover two uh, defensive philosophy all year long. That's their, that's their mantra. That's what they're known for. They totally went out their comfort level to do something brand new. Um, after the first drive, they played more man coverage than, than, you, than you've ever seen a team play um, in the time I've been here. Um, so 75% of the snaps being in the man coverage and, and just taking advantage with the, uh, the front three, front four guys, not having to bring extra guys in the blitz because they saw the weakness in the line and they just let their front four guys, the uh, three or four guys, just attack the weakness uh, without having to bring extra guys out of coverage. And we were able to just play man with safeties over the top. It was it was a, it was a great game defensive game plan, um, and they got out of here with a win. So Sean, yeah, well, Sean, Sean, what did you think about uh, Frank Reich and the way that the Colts are using analytics to kind of drive some of their decision making, especially on fourth downs? Seems like the tradition in the NFL has always been, you know, if you are on the minus side of the fifty, you're always punting. And sometimes even if you're on the plus side of the 50-year punting. But the Colts and Frank Reich, they, they they have taken that to a whole nother level where, you know, they have no fear of going forward on fourth down. And, and they, they are driving their games by using analytics. Right. It, it came back to bite him last year. I think it was the Houston game where he went yep. for it. Um, anyway, it gave up a, a game-winning field goal to Houston with only seconds left. Um, so I think, I think if you use analytics – uh, the, the 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 difference with football is with uh, with baseball you have a hundred and odd, some odd games to use analytics. That that sample size is so great, you can use analytics to determine uh, a guy's skill level or uh, you know when to call a squeeze bunt and when to bunt guys over or the, you know the probability of a guy getting on base. You know, but with football, the amount of plays is so um, minor. The, the number of plays is so small compared to those baseball numbers. The analytics, I feel like, are not as important as instincts. I think for a coach to use his instincts and feel the momentum of a game, you know, trusting his team, knowing when to go for it, when not to. I think in the long run, you win, you're going to win championships off of football instincts, um, not analytics. Um, it, might, it might win your game here and there. Uh, but it's going to lose your game here and, there, here and there. And I think instincts is what the team really um, – I know I personally would love for my coach always to go with his heart, his gut. Whether we get it or not, I can live with it as long as he's doing what he feels we should do as a team. Um, but if he's looking at some sheet um, – I don't know if you remember the Armageddon movie um, <laughs> where my man Bruce Willis is up there and said, hey, why are you listening to them? They are not here. Why are you listening? We're up here. We got to get this done. I think that's how a football team kind of feels. Um, like, why are you looking at that sheet for some numbers? Like, right now, we're telling you we can get this. Let's get it. And if, and if that he doesn't feel that, he should punt it away, play defense, um, play smart. Uh, I, just, I just think that I would, as a player, I would love for my coach to play with his uh, call plays or, you know, fourth downs or third downs. Like, this, this, let's, let's use our gut. Let's use our football instincts. And I can live with that more so than um, analytics. Well said. Well said. Um, you like you I, like the Bruce Willis. You like the. Bruce I love Willis that reference. I love that because I remember it when you were saying it. I was like, yes, I remember that part in the movie. Uh, that was a great <laughs> part in the movie. Um, so the the Tyreek Hill effect, right? So Tyreek's been hurt. It, it, what does that really? 
what does that mean or what does that do to the Kansas City Chiefs offense knowing that, you know, that weapon, if you will, because they haven't really replaced him. Uh, Watkins had a good game uh, a few weeks back, but it just seems like the Chiefs go with Tyreek Hills in the game because yeah. he can separate and create that that deep threat and open up a lot of things underneath the middle, make it a lot more, a lot lot easier for the team to move. What 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 are your thoughts on Tyreek Hill and, and his injury? And is he coming back? And and what what if when he's coming back, do you really think that offense will now kind of get jump started again? Well, I just I just think going into the game, um, like you said, historically, the Colts were a team that just historically were known to be like 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 really heavy cover two zone people. So if you spend a week, you know. Uh, running plays or drawing up things to beat uh cover two scheme. I mean, you saw the, the first drive of the game, um, how, I mean, it was almost child's play how easily the Chiefs manipulated the ball down the field against that cover two zone. Um, I would say the only thing that they lacked was a little bit of foresight to think that if we do, uh, are we, if we're able to work this ball down the field, the possibility of them going to man would be a lot, you know, uh, increased, and maybe they should have worked on a few man beaters also. But uh, when you have a, when we talk about uh, Cheetah, uh, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is a is a is a weapon that prevents you from going man, um, because it doesn't matter if you bracket him, it doesn't matter if you try to use a safety over the top. Uh, at the end of the day, he's so much faster than your man coverage that it's it's almost foolish to think that you can. It doesn't really matter the number of people you throw at him. Um, he's faster than your deepest, and he can get behind your deepest. Um, that's why most people love, love to have a, have a safety uh, playing zone, half field coverage to his side, um, so you can get some extra eyes just on that area um, instead of trying to run with him um, like step to step to step. And so, even with this last game, I think that initially when Sammy Watkins was out there, um, even he, you know, he has some top end speed too. But having McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins. I think prevented the Colts from going, you know, as much man as they did. And then when Watkins got hurt, I think that's when the Colts decided, all right, we, we got a better chance going mano a mano against who's the receivers left, Pringle, uh, Robinson, McCole Hartman. Um, they, I think they felt good about, you know, their, their chances manning up those guys man to man. And then they could actually get a cornerback on Travis Kelsey and cause him, you know, some fits. Um, so it was just a smart game plan, depending on which receivers I think ended up being left in the game um, after Sammy Watkins went down. Good take, good take, love it. So you know, Sean, we we really appreciate you coming on uh, today. Um, hey, why don't you kind of talk about a little bit what, what you're doing in the community and uh, and tell us a little bit more about your shows and the podcast that you're doing with the Kansas City Chiefs because that that's real exciting and I think our fan base would love to hear more about it and and how they can uh, tune in and and listen to your podcast as well. Cool. So if you just any podcast, you know, you go to your podcast app, or you can go to Chiefs, the Chiefs download the Chiefs um, app. Um, you'll see a, a podcast called Defending the Kingdom, um, and that's me and the voice of the Chiefs. His name is Mitch Holtis. Uh, he does all the game by game color on 101 to Fox here in Kansas City, but he's the game by game uh, call man for the Chiefs. Uh, we break down. Uh, it gets it gets uploaded to your podcast. Uh, subscription every Friday morning. Um, so we break down what we're about to see. Um, we called Detroit punching the ball out, being ball hawks before we went to the Lions. We called the physical nature of the game, um, how the, uh, the the Colts were going to come in and try to 
um, pound, pound, pound the rushing game and uh, try to win the game using the, um, the play clock and taking the possessions away from my homes and how crucial time of possession was and being able to stop the run. So there's some things that you just, from watching film, uh, we break down film between me and him uh, about upcoming opponents. And then he comes up with a philosophy, I come up with a philosophy, and then we go back and forth about it. Um, usually the game ends up being somewhere in between both of our versions. But it's such a, uh, I think it's such an insightful podcast because we uh, let you see things through a guy who's played in the league for 10 years and then a guy who's covered the NFL for uh, 20 or so um, seasons. Um, so much knowledge between the two of us going back and forth. I think it's really, uh, it, can, it can be can be very educational for, for for NFL fans to kind of see things through our eyes. Um, and then also on game day, um, for anybody who's watching anybody versus the Chiefs, uh, it's a it's a pregame show that streams live uh, on YouTube or Spotify or uh, Periscope, any of those uh, streaming um, destinations. It's called Chiefs Field Pass. And that's me and one of the field reporters, DJ Kissel, breaking down uh, inactives and uh, last-minute details about what we expect to see on game day. And then directly after the game is over, it's me and Mitch uh, Holt is back on um, another live stream show called Chiefs Rewind. And that's where we recap what we saw on game day. So we got three opportunities to get at me, um, defending the kingdom, uh, Chiefs Field Pass, and Chiefs Rewind. And you can always tweet me or tweet at me uh, at SeanBarber59. And I appreciate everything that uh, Steve and, and uh, Vince is doing for me. They let me get into this league. I'm about to wreck the league. <laughs> Take over. The, the Daily Style is about to teach these young, bro- these young brothers something. Only you wish. We'll see what happens towards the end of the year. It's still early, my man. It's still early. You know, Stevie D, I've tried to stay quiet the whole time. <laughs> I, you know, we're just going to let that slide. This is a family show, so we're, we're, we're not going to say anything. All I got to say is, you know, we got that W. What did Jameis say? We're eating Ws, you know, so we got we got that W against the Daily Stalic. So, you know, I have that up on my board. That's a victory. Hey, Vince, man, you know, I got to take my hat off to your team, man. You, de- you definitely took care of business week one. I was still getting used to the league and some of the, the, some of the things that were going on, but I take my hats off to you one week, week one. It's all about getting to the playoffs. It's all about being around, having a, a seat at the table when it's playoff time. Now, but I do want to pay you so much respect for being a Bills fan, being part of Bills Mafia. My man, Sean McDermott, you know, that's one of my dear friends. Uh, um, he's a great dude. He definitely knows how to build a culture. Uh, winning culture to a, to any franchise, man. Such so great to see him uh, 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 come to uh, Buffalo and and just let the, the organization um, be a, a outreach of his show. His you know his, his his how passionate he is about playing football the right way. Um, and he's uh, he's doing a great job. But I mean, the city has embraced him. So uh, as as you being part of Bills Mafia, man, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, I do. And, and you know, Sean, I was telling Stevie D. Did Sean, did you see the takeover of Bill's Mafia in Tennessee? <laughs> I, I don't. I did. I'm on game day. You know, I'm, on, I'm doing the production stuff, so I don't really get to see as much 
uh, other games as, as, as I used to be able to see it. But I can, I, I mean, I, listen, I know if there's a team that travels deep, wide and long, man, it's Bills Mafia. They will take over the lower level of any stadium. You got to watch it, man. The, the local fans, if they are selling their tickets to secondary markets, they should put a, a, a requirement that it doesn't go to a Bills fan because they are taking over. Bills Mafia is taking over. I can't hear this anymore. I cannot hear this anymore. Stevie D, I tried to tell you this years ago, we're international, baby. You know, it's funny. You know, when I was in England, I ran into a Buffalo. Remember, I sent you the photo. I think I took a yeah. photo with the girl, right? That yeah. that was a Buffalo Bill fan over in England. So I guess you can say you're international, but but I just can't take any more of this Bill's love over here. We took over MetLife. We took over MetLife Stadium back to back weeks. Oh, God. Then we had a home game. <laughs> I, I, I don't like where this is going at all, gentlemen. At <laughs> no, all. But, but no, it, it is good. Yeah, I, I'm loving it. But no, it, it, Sean, this is your time. I, I, I do have to give you props for the way that you were handling your team there. I do. I, I give you props. Uh, you know, knowing the fact that we got the W, and, you know, I, I have to, I'm not going to lie, I was sweating. Because the whole time I was talking mad trash. <laughs> yes, you were. Yes, you like, were. <laughs> Where are you, Sean? Look out, Sean. Week one, Sean. And then all of a sudden, uh, I was like, uh oh, Stevie D. I, this isn't looking too good. <laughs> so to say that we we squeaked by, hey, that that that's okay. I'm happy for that one. Uh, we've just had some troubles after that. And I think Steve put the jinx on my team. That's what I think happened. You, you know what happens when you start talking smack. I've done it before in Madden. I've he done does. it before. I've called it before. You know the powers I have. He does. He does. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm very ahead. interested to see how the waiver wire works this week. This is usually around week five and six is when people get real desperate. They start pushing the panic button. You, you see all, like, you know, uh, usually it's always about four or five guys on the waiver wire to get picked up. I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna put a, a guess that, like, uh, like seven or eight guys get picked up on the waiver wire um, to try to fill up for bye weeks, injuries, or great matchups or whatever. I think, you know, some teams are going to really, they, they feel like they need a win. They need to pick up somebody off the wire. So there's going to be one of them big wire weeks. How about when you have a player who – gets cut from one team, gets signed the next day by another team, and gets cut a week later. Are you talking about Antonio Brown? That would be the ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I refuse to let him go, <laughs> but I'm going to have yeah. to let him go. Yeah, man, It's tough to see a guy uh, that you drafted uh, uh, make hay for another man's team. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's tough. It it's is. Tough that happens. All right, Sean. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. Pleasure talking fantasy as well as talking professional. And uh, you know you're welcome anytime. Anytime you want to come on the show, just just hit us up. We'd love to have you. You're kind of our honorary third host on this show. So, you know, you're always welcome. I'm, I'm waiting for the uh, – I want to I definitely be on when the, when the Bills and uh... – Jets play each other. That's the week I'm waiting for. That's the that's going that's when the that's when the bombs going hit. That's the A bomb hit the show. Well, that was that was week that. one. And, and somebody well, he, over he there. They play twice though, right? They play right. twice, don't they? 
Yeah, but we'll, at that point, we'll be resting our players. Oh, okay, player. Okay, all right. Keep talking. That's fine. Right. You know, I can't say nothing. So we'll see what happens at the end of the year. And you know what? I'm going to tell my – you don't even want to know what I'm going to tell my boys to do. You better just watch that tongue over there, Vince, because you know what will happen. I will weigh down that whammy, and then your season will be over. Okay. So be nice, because you know it. Coming to get you. Yeah. Fairy tales can't get true. They can <laughs> happen to you. <laughs> All right, Sean. Again, a pleasure to have you out. All right, man. Appreciate it. Anytime, Steve. Vince, have a good day, man. Have a blessed day. All right, you too. Well, and so, Stevie D, once again, our fantastic finishes segment is awesome. Being able to bring everybody from our fantasy football league in, having them have their 15 minutes of fame, if you will, a little bit longer for our guest here, who, you know, actually has his own podcast. But, uh, you know, being able to bring folks in to talk about our fantasy league, what they did or what they didn't do, um, in the in the draft or or in the moves that they've made to try to make their teams great, uh, but it, it it's fun. I like this segment. Oh, I love this segment. I I absolutely love it. I I think it keeps us in touch with the fans. Let the fans smack talk a little bit, right? Absolutely. Talk, talk that smack and, and 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 tell us how you drafted, what your draft strategy was, how how you got that high flowing offense performing. Um, I mean, last week we talked about the trade that propelled. <laughs> Uh, the names escape me of the team. Sean, Sean's, Sean's. Yep. So we had Sean out there, but unfortunately, Sean now has dropped even lower. I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a nice place. All I'm saying though is JB, raise your game, baby. We want you on the air. Long time listener, first time. Well, nope, not even a first time caller. Raise the game. Raise your game. Come on, we want you on the show. He's trying to, he's battling. He said he's struggling. <laughs> struggling. It's all right, but, baby. Hey, you never know. One day your boys are going to wake up and, and put that 150 burger on there, and, and perhaps you're, you're, you're the top getter. But I, I got to tell you, my boys, boy, I'll tell you, my boys have been playing well back to back weeks where they were in the top three in scoring. I think I was number two this week in scoring. I think well, I put up uh, 149 or one, 153 or something like that. Stevie D, I, I'll, I'll make a promise to you. Because JB wants to come on the show, right? We will change the format, and, and this will be in in on the side of you, JB. If you have the lowest points, we'll bring you on. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Are you doing this so the two of you can gang up on me? No, no, not Are at you all. Sure, not at all. I, I, I feel just, like I'm being I, set I up just, here. I just feel bad for JB. All right. <laughs> I want you on. I, I want you on the show, JB. So either either raise the game or just continue doing what you're doing and, and you'll make Are you calling for a tank job? Wait a minute. Are you calling for a tank? Are you calling for a Miami Dolphins? It, it, it could be. It wow. could be. Wow. There's got to be some, some draft penalties here with this. It, it, it could be. Do but... we have our first tanking fantasy <laughs> football team? Yeah, I may start that. After that debacle that we had, actually, you know, we could have had Angel on again for low low points of the week. He's got Le'Veon Bell. I didn't accept that trade. Look at that, two weeks in a row, and I win. See? <laughs> I declined the trade, and my team is responding. Responding. Oh. oh. Yeah. So, they had a players-only meeting saying that ownership was looking to make some trades. 
And they said, look, we better step up our game. Got to love it. Oh, I have a trade that has been proposed to me. Elvin Kamara and Josh Gordon for Mike Evans and Saquon Barkley. Yeah, we're not going to accept that one. Well, you already ruined your team. You might as well accept any trade. Maybe you can get the, you know, you can flip the mojo. We are gonna we are gonna try to flip the mojo, but we want more. We want more. And I'll figure out what, what the more is that we want. We want more. But Stevie D, it's always fun talking football, talking a little baseball today. So always fun. Uh, again, you can always check out our podcast, officialwordsports.com. You can hit us up at Twitter at Real OW Sports. Check us out on Facebook. And most importantly, you can catch our podcast where multiple outlets, iTunes, Google, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. So give us a shout. Give us a listen. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. But it's been a pleasure. Stevie D. My man. We're going to have to put a bow on this one. I'm Vince. I'm Steve. We'll talk to you soon.